Hi, and welcome back to Wonder Women, a podcast that tells the stories of inspirational women in history you may never have heard of. I'm Dominique Roberts. And I'm Megan ArmConnect. All right, so today's podcast is about the other Mrs. Adams. So we've all pretty much heard about Abigail Adams, whether her quip to John Adams to remember the ladies or remembering her fiery personality. When you say Abigail Adams, she's president, the first president, John Adams' wife. Yes, so there's two Adams presidents. There's John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Right, okay. And John Quincy Adams is John Adams's and Abigail Adams's son. And okay. John Adams was the second president of the United States. Okay. So there's lots of Adamses in today's in today's podcast, so just bear with us. But certainly Abigail was a legend in her own right. But today's podcast is about her daughter-in-law, Louisa Catherine Johnson Adams. Um, so she married John Quincy Adams, and Louisa Catherine was also an inspirational and incredible woman. And she was the first first lady born outside of the United States. And there oh. actually wasn't another first lady born outside of the United States until Melania Trump. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, in all that time. In all that time. Wow. Where was she born? So she was born in England, actually. So her story is kind of interesting because she was the second child of, so her parents' names were Joshua Johnson and Catherine Newth Johnson. And Joshua was American. He was a merchant from Maryland, but he moved to England to be a merchant in London. And he ended up marrying a British woman named Catherine. And the family actually remained in London until the American Revolution But during that time, Joshua Johnson was more of a patriot. He supported the American cause. And so the family was worried that they were going to get backlash from their neighbors and from other people that they were supporting the American cause instead of the British cause. And so they moved to France in 1778 to be safe. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't know there were people in England who supported the Patriot cause, but it makes sense because he was actually originally American. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. he was living abroad and he supported the revolution. Okay, Yeah. So, I mean, we hear a lot about people, of loyalists in the United States moving mm-hmm. to England to be safe from mm-hmm. activities and, you know, war going on mm-hmm. in the States, but not, we don't hear as many people who were living in England who went somewhere else to wait until the war was over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so the Johnson family moved to France during this, is this time. The, this is like the 1770s that we're talking about? Yeah, so okay. this is 1778 when they moved to France. Okay. And while in France, Louisa and her sisters attended a convent school, actually. And while she was there, Louisa became proficient in French to the point where she forgot English. Like, she didn't know how to speak <laughs> English anymore, and she would just speak in French. Oh, that never happened to me when I was studying <laughs> French. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> Not happened to me either. But she, Louisa attended that school until 1783, so, like, when the war ended, mm-hmm. and then the family moved back to London the year after. Okay. And so when they were back in London, Louisa continued her education at a girls' boarding school. So this was really important to her family as well, that the girls were educated and kind of got that stereotypical but also like boarding school experience Mm -hmm. so she learned how to read she learned kind of how to write she learned about poise and manners all Mm -hmm. those different things but something that was really important was that she had a teacher that really changed her life actually so um, Louisa had a favorite teacher named Miss Young who changed Louisa's way of thinking and encouraged her to use her mind and be open to the world around her and to be engaged in public issues of the day and so Louisa was really smart she was sharp 
And she was gifted in languages, was outspoken. She wrote poetry, plays, and essays extensively. She loved to write. Mm -hmm. And she really, when she was at home, when her family would, when her father would invite people over, she was always conversing with people about politics, about, and about issues of the day. So that was, that was something that was, that was different about her. Yeah, you're, you're a big admirer of her. I I forgot. This is what you wrote your, she's, she's part of what you wrote your Oxford dissertation on. Yeah. Yeah, I did write about her. So I will try not to to make her too much of a saint in this as well um, because her story is complicated as well but um, but really fascinating mm-hmm. how she got to where she ended up so their home in London her family's home in L- London was like very lively it was a very cosmopolitan place since it was an American merchant's home a lot of people came in to either trade with her father or there were a lot of American diplomats who would come because it was kind of like this like haven of American camaraderie mm-hmm. and friendship at that time and so they entertained a lot of Americans in their home, and including in 1795, a 22-year-old John Quincy Adams, who was a U.S. diplomat to Britain at this time. And he took interest in Louisa Catherine, and he noticed her wit and her openness, and they actually were engaged in 1796. But then John Quincy received letters from his mother, Abigail Adams, and Abigail was very worried that if John Quincy married a girl who was born and raised in Britain, that it would look bad back at home in America. And so John Quincy, he actually wrote a lot of like kind of mean letters to Lisa telling her like the importance of like prudence and the importance of like how important it was like to have like a good image and everything. And she was really confused by this all and like he would he further delayed their marriage. But just because he knew he wanted to have a a diplomat's wife or he thought she was being improper or I think mostly because it was just from pressure from his mother mostly and kind of like wanting to have like that proper diplomat's wife as well and he was kind of worried that she wouldn't fit the bill but I think it mostly was because of pressure from his mother and also another thing that delayed their marriage because he he kept saying that he had a lack of funds in order to take care of her so finally Louise's father is like here I'll supply the money just please like marry my daughter basically and um dad's gonna need to do that (laughs) Um, so once Louise's father promised the money, they got married. But then what happened is that as soon as they, they, the, the wedding was happening, Joshua Johnson, so Louise's father, lost all of his money, like in some bad credit or some kind of like just like bad trading. Mm-hmm. And so John Quincy didn't get the money that they were promised, but the wedding happened anyway. But it kind of put the marriage like on just like a bad foot Um, like there was like not a lot of trust between them at first it was Mm -hmm. like their entire relationship was kind of rocky had a lot of ups and downs through it all but that family financial crisis definitely was not ideal Mm -hmm. for for the beginning of their marriage but after their wedding louisa immediately took on the role of a diplomat slash public servant's wife john quincy was reassigned from london to berlin where he became the first u.s minister to prussia and then and when we say Prussia... We mean what is now like Germany. kind of more the eastern part of Germany. Okay. So Germany at that time was a lot of different states, and this was one of the bigger states of that of those German-speaking Got it. areas. Both John Quincy and Louisa Catherine were called back from Prussia when Thomas Jefferson became president because there was bad blood between John Adams Sr. and Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams didn't want his son to kind of be a political pawn in like this diplomatic game. Mm-hmm. So... John Adams, who had given the appointment to John Quincy, kind of said, nope, time to come home. We're not going to have John. We're not going to have Thomas Jefferson depose you, basically come Mm -hmm. home right now. Mm -hmm. And so they came back to Massachusetts in 1800. And so actually, this was the first time that Louisa had ever been in the United States. She had always only been in Europe before that. 
So she'd only this was the first time she'd set foot in the U.S. and she, and this is, it is the United States now. We're not it's not the colonies anymore. It's now the United won States the Revolution. George Washington's been president. Now we're on to exactly the Constitution's been written. Right, the okay. Bill of Rights have been ratified. This is America. That's <laughs> kind of known. But Louisa found it like extremely provincial. Like she had grown up like in London, in mm-hmm. France, had been in Berlin, had like mm-hmm. had a very cosmopolitan life. Mm-hmm. And so when she first got to Quincy, Massachusetts, which mm-hmm. is where the Adams family lived. Mm-hmm. She wrote that she felt it was, like, stepping onto Noah's Ark. She's, like, this is, like, (laughs) she was just floored with how just old and, like, how, like, provincial it all seemed. She wasn't happy with it. And Abigail Adams wasn't happy with her either. Um, She thought her foreign-born daughter-in-law was too soft and, like, would never amount to anything, basically. Because this is, if we, I guess we rarely think of of early America this way, but it was kind of scrappy. Whenever you see um, even movies that take place during this time period, I'm always really shocked how dirty and and provincial America was in these early days because it was recently coming out of just being these colonies that were serving Great Britain. It wasn't wasn't very developed. It wasn't very nice. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't so nice. (laughs) And Louisa did not love it. But Louisa did start to feel at home more in Quincy, Massachusetts. She got along really well with John Adams. They had a really good father-daughter-in-law relationship. She also has three boys while they're in Quincy. But just when she's settling into an American life, John Quincy gets this new diplomatic position in 1809, which totally just like changes everything for her. He's called to be the first American minister to St. Petersburg, Russia. So this is this is a really big assignment. Also, it's a really, really far away assignment. Yeah. Interestingly enough, a lot of the European ministers never brought their wives to St. Petersburg just because it was kind of viewed at this kind of like outpost diplomatic mm-hmm. assignment and really hard, a hardship post. But John Quincy, like so many things in his life, was an anomaly. And so he takes Louisa with him to St. Petersburg as well as their youngest child, Charles Francis. And at this time, they're going by boat, right? Yes. And then presumably by train or... or Not even train, just like by stagecoach. Stagecoach so, all the way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 1800, okay. So how, I mean, it would take months and months to get there, right? Yeah, so they leave in August and they get to... They actually get to St. Petersburg in October. So it, Wow. But it takes... I mean, a it takes a long months, time. Yeah. It takes a few months. And it's really hard for Louisa, too, because she, um, she has to leave her two oldest boys at home. And that just, she feels like she's like a terrible mother because yeah. she she leaves them. Just in her memoir, she talks about how much that just like kind of just like, it's just really hard for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the diplomatic mission to Russia was also really difficult just because of different personalities with the Tsar and like with the Russian court. But both John Quincy Adams and Louisa Catherine Adams were successful diplomats in this. So the role of a diplomat's wife was kind of just like have a space where diplomats both foreign and um and like their home country diplomats could come and discuss things and have like political gossip also she was kind of the face of american i guess like for lack of a better term like just like american um aristocracy i mean like that wasn't necessarily like the term that they would use but kind of just like this face of american um elitism basically and she and she is she and john quincy become favorites of the russian court quite quickly so they were able to negotiate better re- commercial relations with Russia, which was really important at this time because the Napoleonic Wars were happening. So France and England were 
at war with each other most of the time. And so America would not trade with either of them to kind of be neutral. Mm -hmm. So having trade times with Russia was really important. Also in 1812, Britain declares war on the U.S. So we have like the War of 1812 during this time. And the Adams's Russian connections actually helped open doors for peace negotiations. But also during this time, um, so in the year 1812, tragedy struck their household. So while in St. Petersburg, Louisa Catherine had a baby daughter who they also named Louisa, but baby Louisa died from an illness in 1812. And the baby's death incapacitated Louisa Catherine. And it was really hard for her to both like she was just really, really depressed because of that. And so it was really hard for her to kind of get herself back up on her feet and kind of do those those diplomatic duties that were so crucial at this wartime. Mm -hmm. Years later, while writing her memoirs, the baby's death still really haunted her. It was a really, really difficult time. But kind of as I mentioned before, there were um, peace negotiations that were opened up because of their connections with the Russian court. And in 1814, John Quincy Adams actually leaves St. Petersburg to negotiate the Treaty of Ghent. And the Treaty of Ghent basically just ended the British-American War of 1812. And so Louisa and Charles Francis, her son, were left in St. Petersburg. But actually, Louisa was able to kind of manage better than ever before. She was throwing parties. She was like doing a really great job, even by herself. Like she really came into her own Mm -hmm. at the time, even without John Quincy there. But once John Quincy did call for Louisa to join him in Paris... She embarked on one of the greatest adventures of her life, a six-week journey through war-torn Europe. And I honestly think this part of her life is fascinating, and it speaks volumes of what Louisa Catherine was capable of. So basically, Louisa Catherine, seven-year-old Charles Francis, and her sister Kitty, her sister was also with them, they traveled on a carriage with a sleigh bottom, so it was like a sleigh with like sleigh bottom carriage, Mm -hmm. through Russia, Poland, Germany, and France in the dead of winter, and in the middle of a war. And there, actually, there's one part which is really interesting and kind of and really, really scary for them. So when they near Paris, Napoleonic troops surround their carriage because the carriage is Russian-made and Napoleon's French troops are against the Russians. They hate each other. And so they see this carriage, which is like from Russia, and they assume that it's people that, like, assume that it's Russians and it's the enemy. And so the troops and like the people that are following the the troops are calling for the death of whoever is inside of this carriage. So to escape this situation, Louisa had her servants whisper that she was actually Napoleon's sister traveling incognito and kind of, you know, trying to like (laughs) pretend that we're Russian, even though we're not. And then she steps out of the carriage into this hostile group and she speaks an absolutely perfect, flawless French it's like, and she like rallies the troops and like you know says like long live Napoleon, uh-huh. and everyone's so impressed and so happy that they get her back in the carriage and like give her kind of like this escort uh-huh. through Paris. Wow, which is kind of crazy. So anyway, but the rest. So after their time in Europe, Louisa, Catherine, and John Quincy they returned to the United States in 1817, and John Quincy he's still very much involved in politics. He becomes the Secretary of State to President James Monroe. And then Louisa plays the role of a cabinet wife, which was in many ways quite similar to being a diplomat's wife. She called on people. She threw parties. She was aware of the many different political figures that surrounded her and her husband was very much aware of political intrigue. And her political savviness was a great asset to her husband in his 1824 presidential candidacy. So in 1824, John Quincy Adams is running for, um, running for election to be president of the United States. But in many ways, Louisa was actually more intent on John Quincy winning the presidency than he was. And she was a lot more involved in the campaign. She talked with congressmen. She threw parties. There's one really interesting 
little bit of information as well. So the biggest party she ever threw, that was kind of like one of the biggest parties ever that Washington, D.C. ever had, was a party that she threw in honor of Andrew Jackson. And so Andrew Jackson was um, and John Quincy Adams were both campaigning for the presidency. Mm-hmm. So Louisa Catherine had th- thrown this party on the anniversary of the Battle of New Orleans, which General Andrew Jackson had won to kind of like seal the deal for the United States winning the War of 1812. And so she was trying to very much kind of just show like show support, but also kind of show that they had more power than him, that she could throw this party and kind of be this gracious hostess. But this party was huge. And ultimately, they were also trying to try to convince Andrew Jackson to run as John Quincy Adams's vice president, but that did not happen far from it. But it shows how much Louisa was invested in this campaign and how much she wanted her husband to win. And Why? Because she wanted to be first lady or because she... I think mostly because she, I don't know about that so much. I mean, there's a lot in her journals where she talks about how she's not ambitious. I think she really was ambitious. She kind of just hides behind that often. But I think mostly I think she really did believe in like the the power that perhaps her husband could have and the good that he could possibly do and also the good that she could do mm-hmm. as that first lady. I think it was something that she definitely did. I and definitely wanted. Mm-hmm. But John Quincy Adams actually he so he did win the election, but it was very contested. And actually, her time as First Lady was very, very depressing and stressful for Louisa Catherine Adams. So that was very stressful with, like, political issues, with rumors swirling that John Quincy Adams had, like, made a corrupt bargain with other electors so he would win and so that Andrew Jackson would not. Also, there were lots of family issues. One of her sons was an alcoholic. Another was kicked out of Harvard. So she was dealing with a lot of stuff at this time. She was depressed and lonely a lot of the time and complained of pains and illnesses. But something interesting is because she felt so lonely in the White House, she actually opened it up to tours, which were actually probably the first public tours of the White House. Yeah, she wanted to have more people there so she wasn't alone all the time. And also kind of to show the public that the family was not living in excess. That was a very big deal Mm -hmm. for Americans in the early republic that their leaders were not living extravagantly. So John Quincy Adams ran for re-election in 1828. And that election was incredibly bitter. Like, if 1824 was bitter, 1828 was even more bitter. It was arguably one of, like, the most mudslinging campaigns there ever was. And there was a lot of this backlash against the wives of the of the candidates. So Louisa Catherine got a lot of flack, and Andrew Jackson's wife, Rachel, got a lot of flack. It was just incredibly bitter. And Why? Just criticizing how they did things or criticizing their... Criticizing how they did things, but mostly criticizing their character, especially like their moral characters. Wow. Mm-hmm. What would there be to criticize? Because I thought they had to behave with such decorum at all times, you know. The DC rumor mill is amazing, and it always has <laughs> been. So, yeah. yeah, just people yeah, be yes. able to grab things, whatever they can find, and just creating a story out of it. And that happened to both Louisa Catherine and to Rachel Jackson. Wow, so the wives were not off-limit. They were very uh, much Not pain. at all. Not at all. Yeah, and that was really painful for both of their husbands as well. Yeah. But interestingly, Louisa Catherine, she was very vocal about this the entire time, and she was very much, she defended herself in the press as well. Was that uncommon? It was incredibly uncommon. to speak out in the press? Mm-hmm, incredibly wow. so. Especially because the press was seen kind of more as like a man's yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. So for her to... Um, to defend herself in the press was really, really big. 
But it, and I mean, at the very end, um, John Quincy Adams loses that election, and Louisa Catherine's incredibly bitter from this, and just about popularism in general. She thought it was a terrible choice for the country. She thought the country was going to just dissolve because Andrew Jackson was elected. Yeah, Andrew Jackson was the president, right? That kind of he was the opposite of refined, educated elitism. He represented the common man, exactly. and expanding west, and mm-hmm. yeah, everything that. John Quincy Adams and Louisa Catherine were not yeah. basically even yeah it can it can be debated whether Andrew Jackson really was that but mm-hmm. he certainly that, represented that that ideal um and also for Louisa Catherine she was devastated even more two weeks later after the election because her son George actually committed suicide but she was able to find like some renewed sense of life one she raised her granddaughters like when when her son John passed away she ended up raising her two granddaughters And also she um, actually felt more renewed when John Quincy entered politics again, which is kind of counterintuitive because it was so draining for her. But actually, John Quincy was a much better, I mean, in my opinion, a much better congressman than he was a president. And he was very much committed to um, fighting slavery. Mm -hmm. And so she felt very committed to this fight as well and was very big about reading petitions, anti-slavery petitions and trying to get involved in that. She also was more involved like in feminist, early feminist thought and theory, actually, too. Really? Mm-hmm. She made peace with Abigail Adams and read Abigail's letters, and she thought that they should be published to inspire young women. Another big thing I think is important is that she found her own voice and wrote her memoirs. So she was very big about, and very, it was very important for her to write down her story. Is she one of the first sort of female politicians or wives of politicians that we see have memoirs and actually document what what she experienced you know i can't really speak for in europe so much but i think in america certainly i mean just because she is like one of the earlier politicians wives so in that case but i think even uh, even like you know martha washington and like dolly madison i don't think they wrote a lot of memoirs or a lot Mm -hmm. of writings with that but um but louisa catherine did they probably didn't have the same sort of formal education that louisa catherine had in europe either that's probably very true Um, So John Quincy Adams actually dies of a stroke he has on the Congress floor. And interestingly, even though they had a very rocky relationship, Louisa Catherine continues to defend his legacy and name, even though they didn't always get along, even though he was often jerked to her. But like there there was a lot of back and forth going with that. And she felt really dedicated to, to his name and to fighting his fights as well. She also has a stroke in 1849, but she lives for three years after that, and she dies in 1852. And interestingly enough, there was a procession in Washington, D.C. to honor her at her death. And the day of her funeral was the first time both houses of the United States of Congress adjourned in mourning for any woman. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she obviously made a really big impact on the Washington, D.C. scene. So overall, she had a difficult but extraordinary life. She's often forgotten in Abigail Adams' fame, when Abigail Adams was such like a very loud voice and very prominent figure in early America. Louisa Catherine Adams is sometimes forgotten, but her, her story is, is, it is inspiring. But mostly, I think it, why it matters a lot to me is just it's a woman who found peace and comfort and her voice through writing her story down. And I think that's an important thing. Certainly as a historian, I always love to find women's voices, especially when they are so loud and vocal. So to see it so prominently displayed is really, it's really great to have that happen. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because to be honest, I didn't even know that Louisa Catherine existed. I guess I'd never really thought about 
John Quincy Adams, much less his wife. I guess I'd heard of Abigail, but never of Louise Catherine. And that's really interesting and, and just another, I guess, another story that's overlooked often. Yeah, and I, it's, sometimes I think we we think because like they were first ladies that their lives aren't overlooked, but oftentimes, especially especially like in the 19th century, I think we we definitely forget that there are women that um, that are involved in politics, honestly, and involved mm-hmm. in diplomacy, even if it's not with a title. And having real influence as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Wonder Women is edited by Dominique Roberts with original music by Matthew Gregory.